Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services, Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen, and we're joined by D Orlando Ledbetter, beat writer for the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we're talking about Jeff Ulbricht, the new Jets defensive coordinator, what Jets fans, what Jets players can expect from Coach Brick. And D-Led brought the juice today, EA. Love him. One of the best guys in our <laughs> industry. And as we sit here, the backdrop again in Florham Park is snow. Is it ever going to stop snowing? Uh, with that being said, we continue to push on. Spring is on the horizon. That means free agency. The Jets have completed their coaching staff. Solid tabs. Jeff Albrecht to be this team's defensive coordinator. And Albrecht, interesting background. And we got a chance to know a little bit more about him from a guy who's been covering him the last few, a few years with the Atlanta Falcons. And Jeff Albrecht, for fans or anyone that doesn't know anything about him, he comes over from the Atlanta Falcons where last season he was the linebackers coach and then the interim defensive coordinator when Raheem Morris was named interim head coach when Dan Quinn was relieved of his duties as head coach of the Falcons. So a bit of a shuffle there in the middle of the season for Atlanta, but he was with the Falcons for, or since 2015, coaching the linebackers. And Deion Jones, of course, is the big name there. So a lot of connections. You go back to 2001, Albrecht was just starting his court, uh, starting his career, playing career as a linebacker with the San Francisco 49ers, a third round pick out of Hawaii. I believe his second year was 2001. Well, Dan Quinn was the quality control defensive coach for the 49ers at that time. So those two start the relationship there. Then Albrecht, after his playing career is over, starts in the National Football League on Pete Carroll's staff with the Seattle Seahawks. Albrecht was an assistant special teams coach, and at that time, Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for Pete Carroll. So fast forward, Dan Quinn becomes the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and he brings Albrecht on board to head up the linebackers. Then you look at this past season, when the Falcons make the coaching change, Raheem Morris becomes the interim head coach, and then Albrecht becomes the defensive coordinator. They shared play calling duties on the defensive side of the ball, but you saw from Atlanta, those guys made a tremendous amount of strides after the changes, and we got a chance to talk to D-Lad about what was different about the Atlanta Falcons after the coaching change and what did Albrecht bring to the table. And you want to take this a step further, keeping things in Seattle with Dan Quinn. Well, there were Dan Quinn and Gus Bradley and Robert Sala. So really bringing this full circle, Coach Sala was brought up in the coaching ranks in Seattle under that defense in which Ulbrich saw firsthand in Atlanta. So there's a lot of moving pieces and now Ulbrich and Sala reunited or united in Florham Park as they embark together on this coaching journey. And let's hear from D Orlando Ledbetter on coach Jeff Ulbrich. D Led, thanks a lot for joining us. And we're talking Jeff Ulbrich, the new Jets defensive coordinator Spent some years with the Falcons, mostly as a linebackers coach, and then transitioned into interim defensive coordinator. Can you take us back to when he joined the team and what his overall role has been on this defense? Yes, when he joined the team, it was a little bit of controversy. Um, he had he was on the coach, he was on the staff at UCLA. He had signed Roquan Smith to come out there and play. 
But uh, Roquan backed out and went to Georgia when he found out that Olbrick was coming here to coach with the Falcons. So he came in, uh, you know, with a bit of a fury into the state of Georgia. He took over the group and, uh, you know, got Deion Jones later, uh, you know, and uh, was able to uh, get that group to play at a high level early. Uh, later developed Fourier Ulakan, had Devondre Campbell, who, who left and went to the Arizona uh, Cardinals. Uh, so, you know, he had some young guys he had to teach and get them ready to play. And he did, by all measures, did a very good job. Was always uh, good to the media. He's going to tell you right away, hey, I'm Coach Brick. You know, don't call me uh, Jeff or Obrick. Uh, but great guy, played out in Hawaii, played in the league for the 49ers. Uh, and, you know, the guys in um, Hawaii always loved him. So, you know, they would always call to keep keep track on him and uh, try to still get him on the show out there. So he was a good guy all the way around and uh, did a great job here by all accounts. Uh, D-Lad, what happened last year when Dan Quinn was relieved of his head coaching duties, Raheem Morris takes over, and Jeff Albrecht became the interim defensive coordinator in Atlanta why did the defense perform so much better down the stretch after the change was made? Well, what they did uh, as a group, and, you know, they split the call, and it was weird. Uh, I think Jeff called first and second down, and Raheem called third downs in the red zone. It was some funky split like that. But, um, you know, that's how they did it. Uh, they they started, um, you know, using uh, more blitzes, started taking more gambles, uh, you know, demanded players to, you know, uh, uh, you know, play their roles to do what they asked them to do. They switched some people around, uh, you know, got Isaiah Oliver off the corner, moved him inside the nickel, and, uh, you know, went after people with blitzing the linebackers, Deion Jones and uh, Boye Ulakan. Those were the main blitzers, but they also blitzed the safety and brought some corners from time to time. Uh, they just, you know, they knew they didn't have a pass rush, and they weren't going to let teams just sit back there and throw for 500 yards a game. So uh, that that helped them out. They were able to win a couple games there, and then uh, you know down the stretch playing Brady twice and uh, Kansas City in one game. You know they they ended up losing the last five, but uh, they they made some changes and they did some different and unconventional things to get that defense to perform at a higher level. When they were shuffling around, when Dan Quinn was relieved of his head coaching duties, like Eric said. Why was Jeff Ulbricht the guy to take on more responsibility? Why was he a good fit for that role? And why do you believe that the Falcons staff chose him to fill that role? Well, Raheem had been over there with him. You know, Raheem was mostly on the offensive side here. Then he went over last year when, uh, you know, they started one and seven and led a turnaround that last year too. So that got him the defensive coordinator job. And uh, he was working closely with uh, Jeff throughout the season. And the uh, secondary coaches were uh, less uh, senior, uh, just came over. Um, you know, Joe Witt from Green Bay was just here for the first year. And then the defensive line coaches were, uh, you know, old college guys and uh, from Miami and Alabama. So, you know, they weren't going to be able to call it. So Jeff was the natural person to uh, call the defense. And uh, he had, a, um, you know, already had a relationship with, you know, Raheem Morris. So he was the uh, trusted defensive uh, lieutenant, the highest ranking one left, uh, you know, to call it. The other option would have been Bob Sutton, the former Kansas City chief coordinator. 
but Bob was more the senior assistant, more um, a senior quality control person. Uh, hadn't called any plays in a couple years, so it would have been uh, uh, probably, you know, uh, probably been a little bit difficult to give it to Coach Bob. Bob Sutton, the longest tenured yes. Jets assistant, defensive assistant in franchise history. D led. Hey, oh, how relatable is Brick Jeff Albrick? Because when you hear the players talk about him, he seems like just a tremendous communicator. And people around the building said he brings the juice. Oh yeah, no doubt he brings the juice to the media sessions too. So <laughs> uh, you know that was always helpful. But, yeah, great communicator. You can see where he's a good teacher, um, you know, very specific and clear in how he wants the players to play, uh, very truthful with them. Uh, you know, I know uh, Deion Jones is one of his uh, pride uh, prize projects in developing him, and he always wanted him to, you know, they got him to be a cover linebacker. He got to cover Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, McCaffrey, you know, and, uh, you know, Ronald Jones to a lesser degree in the NFC South. So Dion was drafted to cover running backs and occasional tight ends as big interceptions against New Orleans. They needed him to get better and tougher against the run as a smallish, you know, 230-pound linebacker. So, you know, Jeff was always truthful about that and, uh, you know, was always, uh, you know, pressing Dion to get better. It got him to one Pro Bowl and, um, you know, maybe there's some more in his future, but, uh, you know, he is definitely a, a teacher a builder of uh, men and, uh, you know, preaches character and honesty in, in, into his players. You kind of talked about it, but how would you describe Coach Ulbricht's coaching style? Well, you know, these days it's hard because they don't really get it. We're not on the field like we used to yeah. be, you know. So, you know, we, we get to see special teams and get to see them warm up. So um, I have to kind of just go from what he, you know, what I've seen, uh, during the games and, and uh, you know, what I've seen during while I'm out there watching special teams and they're warming up, uh, you know, that's one of the uh, downsides of these closed practices. So maybe they'll open them back up. Hopefully you all get open practices up there. Uh, but, um, we're all praying for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully we all get those open practices. So but so what I did see was, you know, a, a composed teacher he's not a wild you think of defensive guys you think wild crazy guys just you know hey let's go get him but no he's more a tactician from what i've been able to see and uh, a quiet you know he's not going to get up in your face and yell at you but he's going to quietly come forcefully demand what he needs out of his players now see i'm probably probably missing the wild side because we're not there but <laughs> i'm sure he's got it because he's a linebacker and we all know linebackers are crazy at, at some point but, um, you know, uh, or, you know, have that kind of linebacker mean streak in him. So we, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he has that. We just haven't, we just didn't get to see that here uh, for the five years in Atlanta. There, there's no doubt linebackers have a mean streak in them. What do you think about his playing career? Not evaluating his playing career, but how that experience helps him uh, coach because he initially, after he was done with the 49ers, he played 10 seasons after being a third round pick out of Hawaii, he said that my career kind of went in an inverse compared to most people. I started as a starting linebacker, and then I became a special teams uh, key contributor down the stretch of my career. Um, and then after he was done, he said, I want to coach college players because I want to be like a surrogate dad to them. But one thing, Brick, 
was noted as saying was, hey, recruiting, that's 100% uh, you have to be available. And he didn't really love that aspect of it. So he made that transition to the National Football League. But he always talked about coaching being in his future after his playing career. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, his career, that says a lot about him as a player and a person that would stay around to be a special teamer after being a starter and a third-round pick. I, I've seen that in a couple other players I know that played that position. Uh, Steven Nicholas here, uh, you know, he was a fourth-rounder out of South Florida. You know, he's getting into coaching now, too. He was down in Tampa the year uh, under on Dirk Cutter's staff. And uh, he ended his career on special teams. Then Alex Gordon, a throwback, uh, top pick of the Jets, uh, ended up being a special team guy uh, in Cincinnati for, you know, to get his 10 to 10 years in the league. So, you know, that's a tough, tough road to go and a tough way to do it. But, uh, you know, he did it that way. Now, college-wise, I'm sure the recruiting situation with Roquan Smith may have been the last straw for uh, Coach Olbrick. Uh, it was a big deal down here in Georgia. The kid flipped on UCLA to Georgia after that. Now, you know, he's the middle linebacker of the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the college recruiting, the fact that they didn't have that much success on Jim Morris' staff at UCLA either uh, had something to do with it, you know, a former Falcon coach. But he was good friends with Dan Quinn and uh, very loyal to him. You know, they did get to the Super Bowl, uh, but, yeah, he was part of that unit, too, that gave up the 28-3 to lead. So, uh, and they all own that uh, and, uh, you know, take their, their fair share of the blame for that. But uh, he uh, was very likable, uh, great uh, person to talk to and should have a um, bright future in New York coaching up there with Coach Sala. I wanted to ask you about the system here in a moment, but – Let's go back to this past season. We talked about the defensive improvements. What the heck did Atlanta do with Morris and Albrick against the Kansas City Chiefs? Because most teams prior to the Super Bowl, nobody could stop the Chiefs, but they held them to under 20 points, and they put their team in a position to win that ball game. Yeah, no doubt. They, they drop a pick in the end zone that could have clinched it. What they did, and I went back and looked at it twice because, uh, you know, I wrote about it during Super Bowl week, was uh, they kept two people over Tyreek Hill and then two people buzzing around um, Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. So those are Pat Mahomes' first two targets. And so he threw a lot of balls away that game because he didn't he hadn't seen that. You know, they weren't. You know, they weren't clearly bracketing them, but they were running people in front of them, behind them, and, uh, you know, just a creative scheme, you know, where they would uh, come up to the line like they're going double-A gap blitz, and they'd drop it to a zone. So they did a great job of disguising the coverages, and it threw uh, Mahomes off. And he was – it was his worst game of the year, his lower passing rate of the year. Uh, but he got them late because, uh, you know, while they had to commit two people – to um, Tyreek and uh, to Kelsey, then Demarcus Robinson gets loose on a triple move mm. because of no pass rush, right? So he he just he got wide open on Sheffield and uh, got open for a twenty-five yard touchdown, easy layup throw to uh, win the game. Uh, the Falcons came down, missed a field goal, could have tied it, went to overtime. But you know that was their season. You know, missed field goals, dropped interceptions, not recovering uh, onside kicks. It was uh, quite the campaign. So, if you had to guess what 
type of players or what type of defense Coach Albrecht would bring to New York with head coach Robert Sala, what would you say? He's going to want to play with speed. You know, we heard a lot about fast and physical down here uh, when they first got here. And, uh, you know, uh, that's going to be, you know, that was because, you know, you had the speed teams here and the dome teams down here, uh, you know, with the Saints and, you know, uh, the Panthers and, you know, Tampa Bay. You had a lot of speed in the NFC South. I think they're going to have to do, um, you know, in uh, New England and in the uh, AFC East, the teams you all play or, you know, more traditional, a little bit more, you know, standard power teams. You don't really have the um, the speed track meet type team. So I'm thinking he can he's going to be able to get back to his four, three cover, uh, three uh, roots, you know, kind of, you know, emanating from the Legion of Boom in Seattle, that whole uh, operation that him and uh, Quinn tried to bring down here and add some speed to it. Uh, so that's what I'm thinking you all are headed for. And, you know, mixture that mix that in with what Sala was doing with the 49ers. You know, he had a pass rush, which, you know, that would be new for Jeff Ulbricht to get a pass rush in New York like Robert Sala had in San Francisco. Yeah, specifically, uh, do you think the Jets, uh, like most teams, and you just – articulated right there everybody's looking for a great edge pass rusher but when you move from a three four to a four three are you looking for more speed on the outside and then you talked about atlanta's linebackers the emphasis there and player acquisition was speed correct and then on the outside you want those long rangy cornerbacks right yeah um you know the you were 230 pounds, you know, when we, you know, that that was too light. I mean, David Fulcher used to play safety at 240. So it's a new way of looking at, you know, guys that would have been safeties are now linebackers. So uh, people, are, people are looking at that, you know, and they want the corners to slow the receivers up. If the corners can't jam the receivers, that's going to, you know, mess up the whole uh, pass defense. And we saw that here. Um, edge rushers, you got to have, um, they, they look for a combo. You got to have the guys that can set the edge in the run game that aren't going to get pushed around. So they got to be a little bit bigger than your 240, 250 pass rushers. So uh, you need a couple of the 280 guys to hold up, and then maybe you can rotate and bring in some speed rushers and passing situations. That That's what they tried to do here. Just finding the right mixture of players uh, just wasn't very, you know, just didn't work out for them. Should Quinn and Williams be very excited about Albrecht's addition and Robert Sala's considering they're going to go to a 4-3 and we saw what a guy who like uh, who is as talented as Grady Jarrett did in that system and now Quinn and Williams really took off in his second season. It seems like the sky might be the limit moving to this system. Yeah, no doubt about it. Quinn and, you know, we saw him a lot down here in the, uh, in the SEC uh, and was, you know, it's tough, it's tough, you know, making that jump to the pros in the trenches and it takes a little while. So yeah, this year, uh, his third year in the league should, uh, be very good. They, uh, you know, they'll move him around and give him some matchups. At least they did that with Grady and, uh, you know, that worked out for him. He's going to need a sturdy person next to him. Tyler Davidson did that here. That's, you know, one of the good things they had is the interior of that defense was stout. So if he's got somebody to play next to him, you know, they, you know, won't be afraid to run him on some stunts, you know, uh, you know, maybe run him on some twists with the end and, and so forth and try to get him into situations 
you know, where he can maximize and show his talent. Great stuff from D-Led as always. And a couple of things really stand out to me. The first thing is speed, because that's something that Coach Salas said he wanted to bring to this Jets defense is speed. And when D-Led's talking about Jeff Ulbrich and the speed that he had in the NFC South on the Falcons, feels like that's a good marriage. And furthermore, it feels like the Jets are in the market for speed. Yeah, and we've been talking about it, right? We discussed the Jets' 19 unrestricted free agents last week, and I believe 12 are on the defensive side of the ball. So one of the most significant transitions when you think about the new defensive system is you're going from a 3-4 base front to a 4-3. So you got the defensive ends. And D-Led talked about you need edge rushers who not only have explosion but can hold up in the run game. Then you need linebackers who can go sideline to sideline. Think about coverage linebackers when you make that transition to the 4-3. And then on the outside, if you're going to play a zone front, a zone coverage, excuse me, if you're going to play cover three, cover two, a lot of times what we've seen from uh, the cornerbacks in the system in the past, long rangey types, most notably, of course, Richard Sherman. But again, Atlanta over the years, when that team was really good under Dan Quinn and company, when they advanced to the Super Bowl, that team got all over the place and they had speed at every level of the defense. And as we inch closer to free agency, it's less than a month away. We're going to talk about the different positions and maybe potential fits for the Jets based on scheme. But I do think that when you look at the potential list of free agents, there's a good chunk that get after the quarterback and there's a good chunk of speed, not only on defense, but offense as well. But that's for another conversation. But schematically, you're right. It's it's a new look system. The Jets have been a 3-4 for what? What would you say predominantly since 2015, 16? Is that right? Well, you got to go back. I mean, let's go back through the head coaches, right? So uh, obviously uh, prior to uh, Greg Williams uh, being here, um, with Adam Gase, and you go back and you think about Todd Bowles, primarily you run in the 3-4 front. Uh, prior to Todd Bowles, you go to Rex Ryan, of course, and, and you're thinking about a 3-4 front, and then you think prior to Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, a 3-4 front. So you got to go back to Herm Edwards if you really think about running a traditional 4-3. All right, just this is why. I brought it up because it's been a while since the Jets have (laughs) run a traditional 4-3 defense. And it's going to be fascinating for me and I think fans to to see what types of players the Jets will target in free agency, no matter what wave of free agency or the draft or the entire offseason it is. Because you do need a different skill set when you're a 4-3 end compared to a 3-4 end. And I think that, you know, I think that the Jets, we've talked about it, they're, they're in a good spot because they have a lot of money to spend. A lot of teams are not in that situation. I mean, D Orlando Ledbetter said the Falcons are $20 million over the cap. Wow. So that's a team that could that's be because you're playing, at, you're paying a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you're paying yeah. a quarterback big money right now. Very good point. And the Falcons also released a couple guys last week to try to recoup some money. But I, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there will be teams like the Falcons who cut different players. So the free agency pool I think is going to be very unique with a blend of expiring contracts and players that had to be cap casualties 
where maybe in a typical year that would not be the case. I think the Jets have a good story to sell. Uh, Salah's connection with the San Francisco 49ers, people talk about that. They rave about his connection. Albrecht, similar background as far as the way he could relate to players. And uh, he really, an interesting career. He grew up in Northern California. Uh, he went to high school at Live Oak, and the nickname of that high school team was the Acorns. The, uh, the the cheer for the acorns was let's go nuts. Uh, he went to wow, yeah, how about that one? Let's go um, nuts. Okay, bounced around a little bit collegiately and then ended up at Hawaii. Uh, we talked about him becoming a third round pick of the 49ers, so that was the team he grew up loving. And his favorite player, Jeff Albrecht's favorite player, Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott, of course, uh, Hall of Fame safety, uh, most notably playing days with the San Francisco 49ers, but he did have some time with the Jets at the end of his career. And then Albrecht coaching the collegiate level with UCLA and then uh, getting his start, like we talked about with Pete Carroll and company with the Seattle Seahawks and then jumping over ultimately with the Atlanta Falcons. But people talk about just what he does and the way he's been able to just teach players and you know it's a different old school football old school mentality old school ways all brick what he was raised on he knows that doesn't work anymore and uh he's been able to adapt over the years and he and the players raved about him in Atlanta and they had a lot of success there now it's going to be what's going to happen with the Jets because you're going to have new wrinkles on defense. Sala brings his system. Albrecht comes over and he's got some ideas. So you're going to have different flavors. And I think sometimes people try to make it too easy, right? We try to peg these guys and say, well, this is their system and this is what they're going to run. Jets are going to play man coverage. I'm not saying they're playing man coverage every down next season, but these guys are going to change things up. And when we talked to uh, the Orlando, talked about, Against the Kansas City Chiefs, the blitz packages, the exotic looks that Albrick and Raheem Morris threw at them. And then, uh, you know, we've talked for weeks now about Salah, how he was able to adapt and change his system to the personnel last year when the 49ers had so many injuries. So these guys um, have been able to make transitions throughout their careers. And the one, uh, the couple things they have in common is they get the best out of players. Uh, they are able to adapt. And also, they have this mentality and mindset to all gas, no break, and they're going to go at it. And Brick is the guy who brings the juice every day. But also, they're very calm teachers who get their point across and want every player who play for them to have success. I mean, that those are the common threads between Salah and Albrecht. And, uh, you know, I think if you're a Jets fan, you can't wait to see it all unfold. All I can say is all gas, no break, and let's go nuts are two great <laughs> mantras to have in Florham Park for the Jets. That's all we have on this edition of the official Jets podcast powered by AWS. Next week, we're talking about Mike LaFleur and what this Jets offense will look like.